Welcome to the Smarty Podcast Series from Charlotte Smarty Pants, where we focus on all things parenting. We talk about everything from education, health, travel, beauty, fashion, and more. Join in on the discussion at charlottesmartypants.com. The Smarty Podcast Series is produced by Charlotte Starroom, Charlotte's premier boutique music development and corporate video production studio, and the best parties in the QC the pop star music video parties, and professional voice lessons in a studio. Also amazing content creation. Check them out at charlottestarroom.com. Hi everyone, this is Jen Plim with Charlotte Smarty Pants. Thanks for being here. Today we're sitting down with one of our resident experts at child and family development. Aaron Kruger is a physical therapist and specializes in aquatic therapy, neurodevelopment treatment, total motion release, torticollis treatment, adaptive equipment management, and constraint-induced movement therapy. Our discussion today will focus on tracking development and addressing delays early. So welcome, Erin. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Um, Okay, so let's start with milestones. So give us an overview of what the big ones are, how do we track them, Are there tracker apps we should be using? Absolutely. So there's a lot, especially in the last year with milestones and a lot of, we would call it in our world of therapy, controversy around milestones because the um, CDC recently changed developmental milestones. Um, They changed what they were tracking and how they were tracking. So certain things like crawling have fallen off of their milestone list. And so for people that are developmental experts like OTs, PTs and speech therapists, those are red flag indicators for us. But what they're using is longevity and research to determine what are the most important things to track. And so there is a CDC Milestones app. I have a 14-month-old and I have it on my phone. So I'm not here to say that, you know, the CDC tracker is not a good way to go, but just know that it's not comprehensive. Um, In order to truly be comprehensive, you're talking about standardized assessments and things like that that really get into the nitty-gritty of development. But there are big things that we track. And so as a physical therapist, the things I would point out to you with a little one is we want to see a four-month-old rolling. Yeah, We want to see them rolling in both directions. Those kinds of things are important. Um, not just belly to tummy and, and tummy to back and, and all of those, sorry, belly to back and back to belly. But we also want to see them do it over the right side and over the left side. And so sometimes Balance. we get caught up yeah. in the actual movement instead of paying attention to the quality of movement or what we would call in therapy bilateral, going in each direction, because those types of things are important. Um, When the next thing we look for with a little one um, in physical therapy is sitting. So we really wanna see them sitting at around six months of age. And that sitting moves from having your hands down on the floor to kind of prop you up, to sitting independently and being able to play with your hands. And so we wanna see those things happen around six months. That's when development starts to get really interesting. That's when we start to see much more use of hands that. our occupational therapists would look at and things like that. Um, the next huge one is crawling. Um, and again, this was one that was dropped from the CDC tracker app. But crawling is really important as we talk about the development of the brain. It's the only time in life that we weight bear through our arms, and that's how our hands develop oh, and yeah. how our shoulder strength develops. Right. And so if we never do that, it's fine quote unquote. But a lot of times we'll see those kids back at five years old with poor handwriting because they never developed hand intrinsic strength. So some just don't ever crawl? Some children don't ever crawl. We call them happy sitters. Um, Mine mine would have been, so I have a funny story with crawling. So my oldest now is 21. Sure. um, 
anyway, when she was a baby and we were all in these gymboree classes with our mom friends and mm-hmm. those were kind of the only things in town to do. Sure. And she so as our little baby friends in our playgroup class were getting promoted to the crawling class, mine and my other friend's son, they just sat and looked around like they like that's their personalities today. Like they take it all <laughs> in. They're assessing the room. They're assessing. And these other ones were like climbing the walls. And sure. they were like, sorry, Jen, your baby's not getting promoted to the crawling class. So the rest of her friends, except for Baker, got moved <laughs> up. And I was so <laughs> devastated. So we would have been really excited to have that dropped from the <laughs> Yes. Up. Some people don't. Some babies don't. But we want them to. And we actually joke. She did crawl. Eventually. Yes. Yeah, sure. But not eventually... We will joke in PT land, like, push them down, make them crawl, because it's so important for brain development, and it's so important for, um, like I said, hand strengthening, shoulder strengthening, and even hip strengthening. And so that tends to happen around 10 months. And again, we're looking at the quality of that movement. And then the next big one, obviously, is walking, and we tend to see that around 12 to 14 months. Okay. Um, So at what age should we get concerned Sure. And I'm sure that's a loaded question because there's probably a lot of different variables, a lot of different milestones that might Absolutely. have been missed or affected. So what the number one thing is, you know, I always kind of say, yeah, pay attention to those that I talked about when you're when you're thinking, you know, the first year of development, year and a half is really the rolling, sitting, crawling, walking when we're talking about gross motor development. And then use your mommy eyes, use your daddy eyes, you know, make sure that as a parent you're paying attention to how the quality of it looks because you know that. Um, And so the biggest piece with pediatrics is to think about the gap between where we're expecting something to happen and where it actually starts happening. And it's hard in pediatrics because based on their age, the younger they are, the bigger percentage gap we see with just like a one month or two month delay. Um, And so one thing I like to share about therapists is we're developmental experts. It's what we go to school for. And so your pediatrician has such a breadth of knowledge, but they're not developmental experts when we start talking about motor development. And so knowing how to reach out to a therapist to get a screening. So we'll do like a free phone call with a parent to answer questions or even see a child in person to lay eyes on and either ease up mommy's mind or validate her mommy eye concerns. Right. Um, and, and that's what we're there for. So what is the first thing we should do if our gut tells us something's off? The first thing you should always do is consult your pediatrician. They're your go-to in your your child's health. Um, A lot of times what we find, though, is that pediatricians in that first year, year and a half, two years of development are seeing children so regularly. Sometimes they'll say, eh, you know, it might be a concern, but let's wait till the next time I see you because they don't want to – you know, blow up a situation that may not be a big deal. Um, And that's where we would kind of say, you may not need a full-blown physical therapy evaluation, but feel free to call us and talk with us. Feel free to bring your child in for 30 minutes and let us take a look Um, because we can tell you if there's a couple things to work on at home or if we can catch it early. What are some typical reasons for not hitting these milestones? There can be a variety of reasons, um, even, you know, when you were talking about, like, positioning of children in the family. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> that's exactly where I was headed. Like, yeah. Yeah. So when you have a first child, you know, typically you, your spouse, the family is really dedicated to 
making it them do everything and have everything, you know, yeah, come yeah. on, roll, come on, do these things. Such and a then, big deal. Right. And then when the second one comes, you know, the You're baby busy. doesn't have to go get the toy because the brother brings the toy. Yeah. Or, you know, oftentimes our second children will be late talkers because they don't have to talk because everybody in the family talks for them. And so we see that with gross motor development, yeah. too. And it actually can go either way. Sometimes the second children or middle children or, or even the, the cabooses, as you would call them, you know, they um, may acquire skills faster because they're watching their siblings. But then we see other kids that are more quiet observers. We, you know, yeah. like we talk about, like happy sitters. They're just happy to sit there and observe and look at the environment. And that's not a terrible thing, but sometimes they just need a little you nudging. know, jolt, a yeah. little a little yeah. nudging. And um, and it's not always the same. And so that's where we like to be really supportive of parents is, you know, just because the things you did for baby one worked, those same things may not work for baby two just based on their personality. Um, and so we're able to provide other ideas to get them moving about. Yeah, that seems to go with all areas of their life. <laughs> it never Absolutely. is it's never lather, rinse and repeat. I right. have four and each one is totally different. Yeah. Um so how important is it to catch these early? Sure. I um, was talking with one of our other PTs um, in the office the other day, and she used an analogy that um, I'm going to use here because I think it, it works in our minds when we, you know, look at something more objectively. But she used the idea of, like, brakes in a car, like when your brakes start to squeak and you're like, eh, I'll get those looked at, right? And and then time goes by and, oh, it's getting a little bit worse and it's getting a little bit worse. And if you'd had them checked out early, perhaps it would have just been the brake pad, but now now it's like, I'm not a car guru, but like the rotor and all these other things that are getting involved because we didn't check it early. And so what we find in therapy is if we can keep that delay percentage small, yeah. a child that's more of a happy sitter or observer is going to be willing to attempt the things that their peers are doing because they don't seem that different from what they're doing. However, if we wait three months and they're still happy sitting and now the kids that were crawling are starting to walk that seems way too hard and they're more apt to sit than jump in and try it. And so that's why we like to say, if you notice something early, let's jump in early and find a way to yeah. give you, you know, kind of that boost you need when you might be exhibiting like a 10% delay versus a 30% delay. Um, thinking of older kids, the other thing I always use is the playground. So, you know, if you're watching your friends climb the, you know, pseudo rock wall at the playground and you're pretty good with your upper body strength, you're probably going to go give that a try. But then when they start to take on, you know, the monkey bars, if you have really weak arms, you're not even going to be willing to give that an attempt. Right. And so that's why we want to catch things the earlier we can. Oftentimes it may not even mean starting therapy. It might just mean a couple of things to work on at home yeah. versus waiting three months and then ending up with, we probably need to do some regular intervention. Yeah. What about, um, shoes and like first shoes and walkers sure that's I noticed, a big topic like, my I, my nephew has a baby or new she's two she's almost two now but um mm -hmm. but when she was first walking or about to walk sure. they had all these little soft cute designer shoes on her <laughs> and I was like wait a minute don't you need like those sturdy flat hard <laughs> shoes like to the ones we used to bronze yeah 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 <laughs> sure. right like sure there has been a lot I'm of sure there's back modifications and forth on that. to those shoes sure 
Absolutely. You know, um, the funny thing is I took my son to um, his well-child check when he was 10 months old, and it was like, you know, does he try to take off his shoes? And my husband was like, he's never worn shoes. Because I'm a big oh, yeah, proponent like is, is barefoot of, better? of barefoot. Yeah, I love barefoot because, again, children need the balance of their toes. And when you put something really flat and really rigid on the bottom of their feet – they can't grip the floor. And so it's almost like putting a two by four on the bottom of your foot yeah, and walking like around. That, but what if you're outside? Like Exactly. Like but can't. we need support outside, right? So there's a couple of different shoe brands out there. Um, one I like, um, and you just kind of have to play with them, but I went to Target to get some shoes for my son and I just pick up shoes and I try to bend them in half. Yeah. And if I can't easily bend them in half, then I know his little, you know, 28 pound figure is not going to be able to bend them in half. And I want him to be able to bend the base of the shoe. So like stride right. They've got like gummy bottoms. Stride, on stride right has but some like good ones. Backs. But sturdy backs. Yeah, absolutely. We want them to have mobility, but we also don't want to lock up their ankles. So, you know, putting them in really cute you know, um, high top shoes, again, you take away their balance reactions because you're taking away yeah, their like ankle mobility. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like putting them in, you know, Doc Martens and saying good luck. Right. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it really depends on your child. I think, you know, there are some shoes like Robies that can be worn in the yeah, house that yep. are like leather bottomed. Um, and then there's a group that I like called Tin Little that makes a shoe. That's what my son wears the majority of the time. And they're just, they're wider for the toes yeah. so that he can spread his toes when he's walking. Walking, and they bend fairly easily so that he yeah. can move about. But, yeah, you don't want to put a kid in something like a Roby on a playground with mulch. You know, right. you need something with a sole on it. But I also felt like hers didn't have enough any kind of support because they were, like, almost like fabric. Sure. You know, like, I like Robies, I guess. Robies yeah. are leather. But yeah. These were, I w- but as soon as she got normal, uh, so I told my sister, who was your grandma, I was like, <laughs> just get her some grandma stride rights or something. Yeah. And um, and she, she literally walked like a week later. She was sure. just, I could tell her feet, she just didn't like the feel. Sure, sure. You know? I mean, they, they need support, especially when they're outside. Yeah. But I always say everything's a balance. You know, if you can have them barefoot when they're in the, in house, the house, yeah, that's always a good idea, too. Um, okay, so the I guess our last question is just really talking up PT and how how does this therapy come into play with all of these milestones? Absolutely. You know, I think PT, while for me, maybe it's just because I'm a PT, but is the easiest therapy to understand. Um, yeah, you know, maybe definitely. secondary speech. But everybody kind of has a general idea of PT. Most of us know somebody that's gone to PT. Not right. necessarily pediatric PT, right. but we know somebody that's had an injury and been through rehab and those right. kinds of things. And because of that, I almost feel like we have to further explain pediatric PT because it's not for children that have had an injury. It's not for children that, you know, really when we are talking about pediatric services, typically we're talking about what we call habilitative services instead of rehabilitative services. So it doesn't mean that the child had an injury and lost skills and we're rehabbing them back. It means that we're trying to help them develop those skills. And so I think a lot of times when, when families hear your child needs physical therapy, they think something's wrong, right? Like that there's this automatic red flag, like, light going off that that makes them feel like, oh, no, something's not right. And really, in physical therapy for pediatrics, 
we're working with children that are developing and are just maybe a little slow to grasp some skills, or maybe they had torticollis. I know that's something that a lot of us know a lot about. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we can see some residual things from that pop up a couple years later with just, they'll have a growth spurt and they're not looking to the left as much as they look to the right. And so they want to come in for PT for a little while. So I think the biggest thing that I'm trying to help educate the community on in general is that physical therapists are gross motor development experts. That's what we spend school right. doing. That's right. what we know about. That, um, you know, is where we de- dedicate all our time for training. Um, and so when we're thinking about children and physical therapy, we're thinking about helping them develop their m- gross motor skills. Of course, we work with children that have a variety of diagnoses um, and some that are more profound in presentation than others. But for the most part, we could work with someone that's, you know, a month late to walk, um, Um, all the way up to a child that, you know, might have a diagnosis like Down syndrome and might need a lot more support for a longer period of time. Um, So I just want to open up and let families know we're here. We're here to answer questions about development. That's That's what we love. Um, And if you want us to take a look, we're happy to do that, too. And that doesn't mean a full-blown PT eval. That just means I'm a little concerned about my child being up on their toes. Would you take a look at it for me? Um, And so reach out to us in that regard because, like I said, your, your pediatrician have a ton of knowledge, but that's not where the depth of their knowledge mm-hmm. is. It's where the depth of You're our the knowledge experts. is. They're, and so referrals, refer right? them. <clears throat> yeah, they, you don't even have to have a referral to call us. Okay, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time sure. today and your knowledge, expansive knowledge. Um, Smarties, you can find Child and Family Development on childandfamilydevelopment.com and on Facebook at Child and Family Development and Instagram at Child and Family Dev, D-E-V. And you can always find us daily, as you know, on charlottesmartypants.com, Facebook and Instagram at charlottesmartypants, and Twitter at charlottesmarty. Thanks so much for listening to our Smarty Podcast. You can always join in on the conversation at charlottesmartypants.com. The Smarty Podcast series is produced by Charlotte Starroom, Charlotte's premier boutique music development and corporate video production studio. Check them out at charlottestarroom.com.